This is Nuance Radio. I mean, like I said, you can call them and they'll come and watch it burn down with you. They'll just make sure the fire doesn't spread to the neighbor's house. Nuance Radio invites you to join the conversation that has come to be known as One Bloke Went to Mo. Welcome, welcome to One Bloke Went to Mo. With me is Victoria. Victoria, how are you? I'm doing pretty good this week. Excellent. That's good to see. Um, I don't know that we have a lot of local news necessarily, but in reading some of the news headlines, um, that's caused me to think about a few different places in the forest that I want to talk about. All right. And uh, obviously we have a moment of reflection, uh, this being our eighth episode. I yes. thought I'd carry on with the theme of numbers and talk about the number eight and uh, something related to that. All right. And uh, I know Victoria has some other information Oh, for later the, on? For later on. Yeah, uh, so I'm so. going to talk about meat. Meat. Oh, yeah, okay. mostly uh, mm-hmm. mostly salmon and steelhead, trout, and then going to cured, smoked, and jerkied. Ah, yes. excellent. Can't wait to find out. Yes, I'm more excited about the, the salmon and trout part, honestly. Yeah. So was there anything in the news that caught your eye? Well, I know with the West Plains Fire Department, Mm-hmm. Back in August, we all got to vote for the improvement tax, mm-hmm. and I voted yes for it as long as you know it actually got used properly, Right, and it seems that they are doing that. Okay. The, the children's park is coming along beautifully. Yes, it it's is. It's almost, almost done. Yeah. And with the fire department, they actually got new equipment, breathing equipment. Okay. So what this equipment is, it's an air tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, not for scuba diving, but they use it with their new masks and the breathing apparatus to go into smoke-filled buildings. Right, right. Something that, you know, even the best of firefighters aren't going to run into without the right equipment. No. But with these newer ones, it's a single canister and more efficient than the old ones. I see. They even have the machine that refills it. Okay. Very cool. So, you know, if you have one of those moments where you're trapped in your a building that's burning and there's smoke you're going to want your fire department to have that equipment right? because they could be rescuing you, a loved one, or even pets. Yeah. And so I'm glad that the improvement tax is working. Now, do you, ha- see it. do you happen to actually know if, it, who is that issued by? Who's that tax issued by? Is it by this, the this county? Is, this is a the, local one. That's a local it's one. It's a local okay. one, yes. Personally, you know, again, coming back to economics, which, oh boy. <laughs> which I love, I don't know why you're, fire departments are not federally funded they just it seems like such an important service for any community or city or place to have that relying on donations and local taxes doesn't seem fair you know because I mean if you live in a town with a small population you're going to have a much well less funded uh, fire department and yet you know they probably need a lot of the similar equipment that, say, a big department would. You know, there's a, an economy of scale going on. Um, yeah. To the disadvantage in the rural area. And a lot of the people that work there are volunteers, so they could not, be called up at any time. They're not getting paid and or they're not even getting paid, much. No. And 
it's almost like the system here is you get a letter, at least I've received letters from the local fire department saying, uh, we'd like a donation and correct me if I'm wrong. The, my basic understanding is, okay, if you could, if you make a donation and then your house catches on fire, they'll come and put it out. But if you don't, <laughs> if you don't make a donation, they'll come if it's on fire and they'll watch it burn. They'll just make sure it doesn't burn anything on a neighbor's house who happens to be a member of the fire department. I think that I've heard of that actually happening, but it wasn't uh -huh. a donation. It was the actual tax uh -huh. because I remember reading something about that. If you looked at the back of your utilities bill and the taxes that it includes, yeah, like fire department is listed in there. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. At least it was an old utility bill that I saw. I haven't really dug into mine here. Right. I should probably do that. But I have heard of that. And it's usually the people who aren't willing to pay the tax for the fire department, which out of all of them, I would give them money for that one. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I will use you if I'm choking because usually the fire department is there before EMS. Mm-hmm. Or if you've hurt yourself bad enough, if they think a fire truck can get out there to you quicker, they will be there first. Right. They're the first on uh, car accidents most of the time, mm -hmm. just in case if something catches on fire. You know, limbs falling down, electrical lines and mm -hmm. such. They getting trapped in vehicles. Yes, yeah, they secure the area, cut vehicles open to save lives. Right. I had a friend. She lives in Washington now. She was a volunteer firefighter mm -hmm. in. Florida and Georgia, she that that's definitely where you see a lot of stuff. Yeah. And they're usually, at least where she was, they were always there first before the ambulance. Mm -hmm. And many times they were responding to in-home distress. Right. You know, not acts of violence, but she said there were a few locations where the fire department could not go in until a police officer was there. Huh. Okay. So these are usually less than safe locations oh i see okay. and so even if like there was a grease fire in a trailer mm -hmm. they couldn't go in unless an officer was there right so most of the time when that kind of stuff happens which she got to see the building's gone because it took the police officer a little bit longer to get there and the fire department can't go in because of safety issues right right it's like that's a shame yeah now yeah. my only other counterpoint as a property owner now, right, mm -hmm. would be that when my insurance company uh, issues a policy for my house, mm -hmm. they price it at what it would cost to rebuild that house if it were completely, you know, blown away. And in, in several cases, what I find is the amount that it's insured for is actually worth more than what you could probably sell it for currently on the market. Yeah. So then part of me is thinking, well, am I that attached to things in the house? And if I can get over my attachment, <laughs> maybe it's a better thing if I just burn it down because <laughs> I'm going to get a new house. <laughs> That's called fraud? No, I, no, it's not called fraud. You're just saying um, to the fire department. I don't care you, about you, my house. You, if it catches on fire and it looks like it's going to burn down, then let it because... You know, it's easier to just start over. I mean, look, look at your commercial <laughs> streets, right? 
<laughs> it all is just screaming fraud to me. <laughs> no, it's not fraud. No. Well, I mean... <laughs> it would be fraud to deliberately burn your house down and then yeah, claim on insurance. Yeah, it just sounds yes. like fraud. No, <laughs> it's just... It's, it's, it's an attitude towards um, attachment to things, right? I mean, if you're if you can get to that stage of non-attachment <laughs> to your personal belongings, including your house, then financially... It kind of looks like it makes more sense to just let the thing burn down and uh, get a new one, um, you know. But obviously, the insurance insurance company is going to come and investigate the fire, and if they find out that you set fire to your own house, then yes, you'll probably get locked up and fined and all manner of things. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not suggesting that for one minute. I I know you're not. It just for some reason in my mind, that's all that it's going back to. <laughs> Well, now we did talk about projections, so... Uh, <clears throat> Arson, anyway. Okay, so that reminds me of a fire that I got to see. But it was during one of the hottest weeks Okay. here. And my household and I, we were about to leave to go get food. And I saw smoke coming from behind one of the neighbor's houses. Didn't think much of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, somebody's burning. And then I got a smell, and I was like, smells like a tire. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the smoke, and it got bigger and more aggressive. And I was thinking, oh, no, please don't let my little old neighbors across the street house be on fire. So I ran across the street between the neighbors' houses, which I never do because I don't like walking in people's yards. But I walked up there. And there's a dumpster on fire. No way. A literal <laughs> dumpster fire. And it was not a small fire. It was huge. There was like flames billowing out like 10 feet and there was smoke everywhere. And I was like, and I turned around and yelled, call the fire department. <laughs> I was like, 4th Street, Porter Wagner, fire. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of the business that was happening behind. But we called and we were just standing there watching a dumpster fire. Yeah. And like one of the hottest weeks. And we're like, wow, I've never seen one of these before. <laughs> like <laughs> Literal a sp- dumpster on fire. Spectating. <laughs> the weird thing I saw Wednesday. Oh, yeah? What weird yeah. thing did you see Wednesday? So I have to go to work at stupid early, mm-hmm. at least for me. Yeah. And so this happened on Wednesday on the 26th okay. at 5.50 a.m., Mm-hmm. I was driving to my work as I was getting to the gate. I saw a fireball shoot across the sky and dissipate. Oh, yeah? Yes, I've seen those before, mostly in Florida. Uh, there was one other time going to Springfield that I saw one. Really? And then I saw another one. An actual fireball? Yes, it was a light blue color. It had a little bit of a orange tail as it broke up. Yeah. And uh, So I'm thinking meteorite, but... In Florida, they just call them fireballs because they happen so often. Wow. But I saw this one. It was going from west to east. And nobody else at my work saw it. And they were all looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, I've seen these. I saw the big one in Florida that shook houses and broke windows. I saw it. I know what I saw. Right. So rare to see them here. Yeah, I've never seen one. This is my second one. And it's always just so strange to when you do see them because no one believes you unless they see them themselves and it's literally a burning ball and like yeah like smoke little, and... little meteorite just goes blast oh. only like a couple seconds yeah 
Because I've seen the ones at night, you know, like the shooting stars, but that's oh, this something is much bigger. a lot further away, I'm guessing. Yeah, these are closer. They're a lot bigger, more distinct. Mm -hmm. And it had a tail. It was bright whitish blue. And as the tail broke up at the end, it was kind of a flickery orange. Right. And it just vanished. Wow. It's cool. I like them. <laughs> I like them. I'm like, oh. I wonder if some rock landed somewhere, though. Maybe. Maybe it burned up, but if anything, it's probably dust. Yeah. It's when you get the sonic booms from them that there's probably a piece somewhere. I'm going to complain. Can I complain? Um, possibly. We may edit this. I don't know. It's not that bad. I'm okay. just going to say. Yes. It's a public service announcement. Stay off your phone when you're driving, and that is including parking lots. <laughs> okay. This this person, as mm -hmm. I was turning into the parking lot, had their phone in their face, probably like six inches away from their face, and pulled right in front of me, yeah. which is not a smart thing to do. You've seen my vehicle. <laughs> and I was just like right there at them. And they just looked at me like, huh? Like, I'm the one looking where I'm going. <laughs> Stay off your phones. Well, over in England, um, they are dealing with some weather. You know, they've had quite a bit of rain. In fact, uh, quite a few of the soccer matches that I've been watching over there, mm -hmm. you know, uh, were played in the pouring rain. So oh. that always makes the game a lot more interesting. Slide. It's very unfair, though, because I was watching, you can watch games online now, and they have one show where they're really watching four or five other games going on. So they're checking in with each game as it's going oh. on. And, you know, one part of the country, they had beautiful sunshine. In the other, it was just <laughs> drizzling rain. And, you know, and it's not a big country. You know, it's the size of, what, New York State, you know, so. Just slightly but, bigger than Missouri, so I guess they just slightly bigger. I mean, yeah, but but that, that happens here, doesn't it? You know, I was thinking about this. The place where we lived before, which is just 20 minutes south of West Plains, we could see rain storms coming in. Uh, we, you could look out to the horizon, there weren't any trees on the horizon, and you could see like a curtain of grey gradually coming towards you oh, over the hills. Oh, that's so nice to see. It is, but, our, but where we lived, for some reason, it would then divide and go either side of us. And you could watch it go, we were in like a little valley, and you could watch it go down either side of the valley, and you'd see the storm clouds, you know, and the rain falling on either side of you. And you'd be totally dry where, where we were. And you were down in a valley? Well, we were on a little hill, but in the larger sense, yes, it's in a valley of sorts. It had so. to be like some kind of downdraft, updraft mm -hmm. kind of thing, just shoving the clouds away. Mm -hmm. I think that happens here in West Plains a lot. Yeah. Because I've watched the rain. They're like, yeah, it's going to rain. It rains in Pomona and it's never here. And I'm like... <sighs> well, I used to <clears throat> subscribe to one of those radar services for the weather. And every time there was a tornado w warning, I would anxiously watch the radar and look at the clouds potentially coming towards me. But they're not even accurate enough for how sort of indiscriminate these weather patterns can be. Like I said, y you could be on the north side of town and get flooded and you can be on the south side of the town and be completely dry. So it, it's kind of weather is harder hard to predict because it can just change its mind i would like to add something to that tornado thing though mm -hmm. so one of the best ways to tell if there's a positive chance for a tornado mm -hmm. is look at the direction the storm is going yeah and which way the wind is blowing if the okay. storm is coming to you 
but the wind is blowing to the storm, mm. that is a high tornado risk because right. air's coming over Makes sense. and pulling under. It's actually going to cause that turbulence, which I know nobody can see my, me talking with my hands. Right. But right. turbulence, if it's sucking the air towards the storm, mm -hmm. it's creating a turbulence. Right, right. But, you know, if you're watching a storm and it's coming to you and the wind gets that cold blast towards you, mm -hmm. it's very unlikely. Right. So, fun It's good fact. to know. No, yes. that is good to know, yes. Anyway, uh, strong winds in, uh, in Lydney and, you know, it's got that tidal river, the beautiful River Severn, which has one of the biggest uh, drops in, you know, in range from high tide to low tide. Okay. It's like 40 feet or something crazy Jeez. like that. Yeah, and it comes in very fast. So I was looking at the reports and um, across the River Severn, going from Lydney, well, really from Chepstow, which is a city in Wales, about 10, 12 miles south of Lydney, uh, they have this beautiful suspension bridge that Ooh. is uh, pretty old, you know, basically a steel sus suspension bridge. But uh, when we get high winds, no one can drive over it because it's got that danger of, yeah. Uh, oscillating in the wind doing but a little dance <laughs> now i've never seen the wind strong enough to you know cause that kind of buckling that you might see in a hollywood movie but in recent years well recent decades they built a second one which is more of a pontoon style bridge so oh. um, it's a fantastic construction i mean i love that kind of these feats of engineering that, yeah. that, that men can accomplish i mean the main span is what well, it's over half a mile long you know, wow. so it's it's pretty big, uh, pretty big bridge. I don't remember the biggest bridge I've ever been on. Probably the one, the Savannah Bridge. Mm -hmm. It's pretty big. It's high up. It's not super long as far as like the river has to cross, but mm -hmm. it's really, really high up because cargo ships have to go under it mm. a lot. I love those bridges that go down to the Florida Keys. They, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've seen them in the movies, but uh, I mean, just like architecture and engineering in general. The San Diego Bridge, if you've ever seen that, that's no. pretty amazing. That has, Pictures, it looks probably. like a, it sort of slopes over the river, kind of going from left to right, like a left to right corner. Mm -hmm. And then it has a huge uh, dip or um, bow in the center of the bridge to allow all the big navy vessels to go through to avoid a drawbridge, and, draw then, bridge, I and guess. then they and then it slopes from right to left uh, to go on to the other side so it's kind of like an s but with this huge pregnant belly in the middle ha. yeah it's pretty amazing speaking of weird bridges now that you've said that <clears throat> so have you heard of the i cannot pronounce it so i'm not even going to butcher it there's a bridge in japan Mm -hmm. that no. is probably one of the steepest bridges in the world. Oh. Yeah, looking at it head on, it looks like it just goes straight up. A bridge? A bridge. Huh. It is a huge bridge over a narrow channel, a uh, narrow bit of water because large ships go through, so they have to have a dramatic... Oh, right, right. Uh, ...increase to slope, mm -hmm. grade. Right. An, an impressive grade to it. Yes. So if you ever get a chance, look up like, I'm going to look that up now or the steepest Japanese bridge. Uh, one other thing that I spotted uh, was a report uh, in the sort of financial newspapers about Lloyds Bank. I think they were recommending or advising their customers that with the inflation that 
possibly house prices are going to go down, right? Because okay. uh, I guess, you know, mortgage rates are up. What are they? Around about 7% now in, in the States. Yeah. And they think that therefore, you know, the number of houses being purchased will drop off. Therefore, house prices will have to go down to maintain demand. However, um, in the same newspaper, I read that over in England, they are building a ton of houses right now, uh, or at least getting ready to. So I was looking at the two different countries, and you've got on one hand, you know, the English bank saying that house prices might go down when they're actually doing a lot of building over there and planning to do even more building. Whereas here, the National Association of Realtors is saying that probably house prices are going to stay pretty close to what they are here um, because we're not building a lot of houses. So, you know, I'm going to wait and see on that. Yeah, speaking of that, I am considering looking at house and or property probably within the next six months if the said property is still on the market then but you know yeah see what happens okay well good luck yes the price did go down a little bit on it yes yeah in fact when i looked at the numbers this morning we have more houses on the market currently than we did you know just a couple of months ago so there's a fair amount of houses on the market a lot of them i have to say are in springfield and branson and um places outside of West Plains. There's but expensive there's, houses in West Plains. Well, yeah, there's there's a whole range. I mean... You can... the, the ones I want are expensive because they're out of town a little bit mm -hmm. and everything is like ridiculous prices and I'm looking at it going, I can't afford a $500,000 house as much as I'd like to. <laughs> I know. I wish. Yes, I always check the property tax, taxes as well. And the million-dollar you know. house between West Plains and Thayer, I just was looking around. And it's like $1.6 million, and I looked at it. I was like, I, if I had the money for that kind of house, I wouldn't offer them $1.6 for it. That's me being stuck up about it. I was like, I'll give you 800 for it. There's a house listed in Branson right now for $4.2 million. And apparently it's on, it, it's on two plots. Ooh. <laughs> I, I read that. <laughs> okay, two plots. No, nice. it, it, it looks like, um, I don't know, very sort of South American style type of mansion. If you can imagine something that, uh, I mean, it has a swim pool. I mean, it's almost got that, um, mm, a grotto type of uh, architecture, hmm. uh, terracotta, a lot of it, but, you know, marble floors inside, very ornate. Anyway, I mean... Interesting. It, it, yeah. There, Interesting. There's a whole range of things here. I mean... Very... Okay, you know. so something that I, I read online is that you don't want to over-customize your house because it's going to be really hard to sell. Mm -hmm. And kind of going off on a a wing here there's a house for sale yeah <laughs> one of the 500,000 or 300,000 dollar houses way too customized yeah it looks like a castle oh and the interior customization is so much that it would probably cost 500,000 dollars to get the interior of the house to look normal right i mean just some crazy ornate wall woodworking mm-hmm a weird coffee table 
that is part of the structure of the house in front of the fireplace. Oh, you okay. can't move it. Oh, right. It's just there. And the basement is sketchy. Hmm. I mean, it's like a dried-in basement. It's it's done, but right. an unusual-looking house. If you can find it, look at it. I was having a good laugh at it. Yeah. It was a crazy house. I mean, I would certainly say... When I look at houses and they've got really dark colors on the walls or, you know, like a kid's bedroom where they painted it, you know, like a a very bright pink. I mean, yes, it looks pretty attractive because, you know, that there was probably a little girl that lived in there and looks fine for her. But, you know, the next couple buying it might be retirees and they need a sewing room or an office. And yeah, they just want something to move into and not have to work on. Not too much, although, you know, a lot of people are going to change, I think, the decorations when they move in. So I think, and especially from a realtor point of view, you want to make sure that the house actually functions, you know, take care of all the, the important stuff like the plumbing and the electric and, you know, like on one, on a lot of the houses that I see, they don't have three pin wiring on the electric for example there's only two pin i have to do that to my house with modern electrics and thunderstorms i mean it just makes sense to get it get everything earthed i think yeah and put it onto a three pin um even if the appliance that you're using only uses you know has a two-prong um plug i don't know the fact that you're extension cable is at least earthed so if you do get a lightning strike you're not going to get a surge that you know then damages your computer yeah i have my important electronics on surge protectors yeah but you Mm -hmm. should never turn off a surge protector either unplug everything or just leave the surge protector on because that's what it does is how it protects things right right and a lot of people think oh just turn it off no power going to it well if your surge protector's off and you get a surge, it can't protect your electronics. Right. That's such a good point. Yeah. I mean, you'll have to replace the surge protector if it happens, but it did its job. Right, right. It kept your electronics from dying. Exactly, yeah. I must admit, I often go around and just unplug things anyway. <laughs> if it's bad enough, I just take yeah. everything out the wall. I mean, my, my favorite computer, you know, I just don't want to risk it. Like, so, no. You know, I'd just rather not use it for a couple of hours while the storm passes over. I need to get a new computer. Mine's just in the past year or so gotten out of, I guess, upgradability. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it still works great. I know. That happened with my printer. I've had this printer for 18 years now. It's a wow. Canon 310MX or whatever. I mean, it still works fine, but I tried to print something from my new laptop and it, 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 it couldn't find it. And I'm like, it's right there. It's, it's right. It's plugged in. Physically it's there. Right there. I can see it. <laughs> Accept it, computer. <laughs> Slap. Oh, you remember last week you spoke about the seven deadly sins and mm-hmm. I joked about profiling people. Yes. Yeah. I was successful. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> Yeah, a lot tell. of a lot of people have a problem with a particular one, which most people can guess. Mm-hmm. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I, I I did that, and I was like, that's funny to me. I'm not going to say who, what, where, what, or why. No, but, but how did you ask the question? 
Do you remember? Well, I was just talking to them. Mm-hmm. And one person who listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. the first one they thought of was lust. And I was like, aha. And he's like, I wasn't even really thinking about that, but I guess it's right. <laughs> I was like, that's funny to me. And another person, I just sprung the question. I was like, hey, can you name them? Uh-huh. I said, I can only name a few of them. I lied, obviously. Yeah, right. And they named theirs. And I was like, <laughs> I know things about you now. <laughs> So some no. people use this for, <laughs> I'm not going to use it against them, but I'm just sitting there, I'm like, I know more about you now. Now, as a disclaimer, I will say this is not tried or tested and it's, it's not scientific, but... You can mess with people for fun. I, you know, <laughs> it's interesting when you ask for someone a question, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Um, the other thing that they're doing over in the forest is investing in more solar. And oh. um, so that's good to see. Um, because like I said, they're, they, at the moment, they import 70%, 73% of their energy uh, over there. So wow. they're very vulnerable, you know. So I'm really pleased that they're doing something about that. And, you know, they've been pretty progressive for a long time over there. It's just, I think it's speeding up now. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, my dad being a local councillor and trying to get a wind turbine just one single windmill put up on a hill out of town and the amount of resistance was ridiculous you know people said it was an eyesore um or that it's going to kill lots of birds or horses are going to run into the guiding wires and get decapitated (laughs) seriously that was one of the complaints and then oh um and then I just look at the la- landscape and I see all these huge electric pylons and cables going across the country. And I think, and well, that's that's just... kind of an eyesore too, yeah, you know. And, and the they put out substations and and those big know. pylons you're talking about put out magnetic field. Mm-hmm. So you're getting that magnetic field. Yeah, yeah. Which is not healthy for you. I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but when you have a radio frequency tester, mm-hmm. it is stronger around the pylons right. obviously they're right. emitting electricity right so i mean one it's alternating current too right so it's, it's creating a, mag- a magnetic field which is how induction works right yep. so um funny story you know we had a dairy farm and you often we use uh, what they call strip um grazing right so you have a, um, an electric fence that you may be Let's say you've got a, a big field. You don't want the cows to just go rushing in and eat all the grass wherever. You just want them to eat the first, you know, strip, yeah. right? So you put your electric fence there, and then the next day you move it over a few feet, and you keep on going, and eventually the cows will graze the whole field, but they won't be um, just, you know, it's much more uniform. It's not in, sporadic in, in everywhere right, like right. that. Yeah, that makes sense. That However, sense. if you have a... An alternating current pylon going across your field, make sure that you don't put your cow's electric field in line directly underneath that because it will induce a current. And the current will be much stronger than the tiny little voltage that's going Ooh, through it currently. I did not know that. And cows have died from that very. Electricity that very thing. is witchcraft. Yeah, really. 
so time for the uh, thought for the day section. Oh boy. Uh, moment of reflection. Yes. Because uh, you'll probably listen to this on a Sunday if you're listening as soon as it comes out. Also, I want to welcome all our Apple Podcast listeners. Yes. We are now We're on, on Apple Podcast. Yay, iTunes. We're here. We made it. <laughs> we made it. We did it. <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, I got a notification earlier that, uh, you know, last week's episode was published and I thought, wow, so professional. We did it. <laughs> it's really not that hard. Like I said, Anchor <laughs> FM, owned by Spotify, they make it easy. There you go. There's your plug. <laughs> yeah. So it's episode number eight. And uh, if you turn an eight on its side, you get the symbol for infinity. Mm-hmm. So infinity is guess in my opinion similar to talking about the eternal or it you know uh the infinite the eternal the things that always last forever yeah forever and ever and uh so as someone who does a lot of meditating Mm -hmm. you know when i go outside at the moment and i look at the leaves that have fallen i mean they're beautiful right now oh yes minnesota on the 200 block Oh, those yeah. are the prettiest ones. But I mean, you know, we've got this uh, soft red maple tree just outside and it has these beautiful, you know, like hand-like, star-like leaves. And when they fall down, they're either whitish gray or yellow or orange and then this beautiful tableau. And it reminds me that part of my understanding of what the eternal is, is the eternal progress of life. You know, life as in the, the big, the big life, the big L, if you like. The big picture here. Yeah, right. The big picture, meaning that, you know, if the beginning of the universe was essentially nothingness and then this big bang and gaseous clouds forming into stars and nebula and then planets and and what we have. And then on those planets, organic life coming from it. Um, we now, when I look at the tree and those leaves falling, it reminds me that those leaves are going to go back into the ground and decompose and be food for insects and worms and fungi. Trees again. And then ultimately back into the trees again. Yeah. So part of that is a claim or a, an appeal to gardeners everywhere not to rake up their leaves. Yep. Because there's also this understanding that if you do rake up the leaves, you're probably going to need to add fertilizer to that grass if if you want a really nice lawn. Yes. You know? So rather than taking away, um, try and keep as much going back into the tree or whatever the plant is as it would normally do. So when you're pruning your fruit trees, just let the just let the limbs drop to the base of the tree eventually they will decompose and become part of the tree again. Yeah, they crunch up. So there's this essence of the cycle of life being something that's eternal, um, which makes me think that, you know, when we die, um, our bodies will become part of the earth and maybe become a flower or a tree or a raccoon or, (laughs) (laughs) or another human. 
maybe that, potentially that dust from us will be consumed mm-hmm. by something then consumed by something else and that dust will be used as a building block in something else yeah yeah but underneath everything there seems to be this intelligence there seems to be this will to continue to grow to continue to evolve and for the rest of the world for the rest of the natural world this is a pro process that they engage in almost without knowing yeah you know the the tree doesn't question you know it doesn't ask why it just it does, does yeah it certainly doesn't complain why it can't get cable tv or <laughs> why its messages are taking so long to come from space yeah or why the traffic is so backed up on the highway yeah you don't have a maple tree wondering why am i not a fig <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so that's why i find lots of aspects of nature so good to meditate on very because much so. again like you said they don't ask why they just do and they fulfill their role and when their role is complete they transmute they change into something else yeah their and energy goes maybe, to something else right right so this brings me on to think about the Tao Te Ching which you had asked me before about um before we started recording what I love about it is it's 81 poems essentially I mean it's beautifully written even reading the English I mean it's written in Chinese you know 500 BC but it talks about the earth or the universe sorry as expanding and contracting almost alluding to the idea that what happened before the Big Bang is perhaps what's going to happen to our universe in that eventually at the moment it's expanding and that potentially what it could do is start contracting again until everything becomes part of one black hole and it gets down to the point where its uh, gravity reaches a critical point and then it's going to explode again and there'll be a new universe and you you know how i picture what you just described Uh a breath yeah like it's exhaled and it'll come back in yeah in fact the the translation is the universe expands and contracts like a bellows so the bellows that used to okay yeah yeah and it also talks about you know Tao um a lot of people translate it as God but it's more that nameless intelligent force you know kind of like the force in Star Wars or um that seems to be in everything I mean even in the rocks I mean down at the molecular level the fact that certain molecules are attracted to other ones or that certain molecules bind with a certain type of other molecule to make a, a stronger molecule and how even at the chemical level there seems to be some intelligence yeah I mean I could go on and on and on about that that's probably its own separate podcast right there and I'd have to have a series of notes but I could definitely go on on that yeah for sure but you're right there is an intelligence to it yeah definitely now the only thing that I will say about meditating on the eternal or the everlasting is it can I don't know maybe it's just me but it can produce effects where you almost feel outside of reality and in fact there was one time when 
it almost made my head kind of hurt because it got kind of trapped in a loop of it got trapped in a loop of not being trying to comprehend trying to comprehend eternity and the infinite and and just, I guess you know having this moment right with that I'm having now where your brain just shuts down yeah because <laughs> you can't even comprehend it <laughs> yeah with the uh, conversation of it eternity and infinity eternal and stuff like that uh, I, I take it you really liked how I described it from my point of view mm-hmm. yeah that that was a rambling and then of course I had to end it really silly like it's kind of spooky <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that was that, that's how I see it though. I mean, as a child, you know, I had that kind of logical mind where what is it? 1 divided by 0 is infinity. Is that right? I think that's right. You're asking because, the wrong because, person. <laughs> you know, you can't divide 0 into well, you, try and divide 0 into 1 and you and you would never there will never be an end to it. And so my mind would often get trapped in little loops like that, uh. you know. And I'd say maybe spiritual maturity or like maturity in general would be being able to look at an equation like that and say, well, you would never try and share something like an apple with zero people. So it's kind of a stupid equation to even put in front of someone. It's a good thought experiment, though. It's a thought experiment, yes. But I'm just saying don't get caught in the loop. Several times when I've thought about, you know, what is forever, eternity, and stuff like that. The first time I ever really pondered it, it was kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But then the more I thought of it, I was just like, my physical brain, it's not that it's not an impossible thing to understand. It's just your physical brain can't understand that. Right. Like, because your brain is temporary it's mm-hmm. it's living material it will die eventually right so it right. it personally cannot comprehend that doesn't want to no yeah. it doesn't want to because it's just like it's <laughs> not a thing <laughs> right doesn't I'm, seem very helpful either you know no like i said i've thought about it initially it was kind of frightening the first time i ever thought about it and then as it went i was like forever is an it's interesting now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can just sit there and think about it. And you'll hit a point where you can't seem to think past it for some reason. Like you'll hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And other people will have different walls that they hit on it. But when you hit that wall, you're trying to get past it. And you can't. No. Not by thinking anyway. No, not by thinking. Uh-huh. And... I think that's interesting that everybody hits that wall mm-hmm. at a different point in the thought process. Like somebody probably more intelligent than me can think a little bit farther than mine. Whereas there's other people who they can't quite comprehend what I comprehend. But mm-hmm. anytime you think of eternity, there's a wall mm-hmm. and you will find the wall. Right. And it'll either freak you out or you'll just want to not acknowledge it. Now, the other thing that I wanted to say about this is when we think about time Mm -hmm. being eternal, you know, uh, yes, you can see how that is true because there doesn't seem to be an end or a beginning to anything. 
However, I have a, this is where I start to have a trouble with some science fiction movies and stories because you get stories that say things like, well, if you travel to another planet, because the gravity is bigger, therefore time is going to move time dilation you know 20 times faster and so yeah. you can spend five hours on this planet and you come back and you're going to be 100 years old or something or the the planet because, itself is 100 years older because of time dilation and right but my logical mind says well no you're still you you're an astronaut you, you go and land on this planet for an hour i mean you're not that doesn't mean that you're going to age i mean i know what it's it's getting at but I think it's 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 a fundamental misunderstanding of what um, Einstein was talking about when he was talking about relative time. You know, he was saying, for example, that the the light from the stars that you're seeing has travelled, you know, millions of light years to get there. Yeah, it's so, old news. So when you look at its position in the sky, it's not there anymore. That's old stuff you're it's looking old at. Stuff, yeah. Yes, like so, the light from the sun is eight minutes old. Right. So I get that, I understand that, but that doesn't mean that time itself is changing. And I think that's the thing that science fiction has taken on, which I know is no fun, right? Because, I mean, some of the best movies have time travel or, sort of, you know, things to do with time or the expansion or contraction of it. But to me, you know, and again, it's like that phrase about time being a flat circle, you know, which... Oh, no, it's... Which, it's up and down. It changes. Yeah, I mean, there have been... But eventually, eventually time is just, um, you know, what's happening now, what has been happening up until this point, and what will happen in the future. But it's still on the, on the timeline. And whether you measure it in seconds or minutes or hours or days, it's still a sequence of events. There isn't the ability to go back and change an event. Which brings me on to the final realization, right, is that in a sense, time is an illusion because there is no other, there is no past, there is no future, there is only this present moment and then in, and then this moment and then this moment and then this moment and on and on and on. It's interesting because you can get in a whole loop with that. Again. It's something to meditate on and try and appreciate without thinking about. All right, so you want to talk about meat, do you? Meat. Meat. Okay, this information about... Meat. Meat. This uh, salmon in particular, a raw fish. Okay, right. I was presented this information by a listener. Oh, okay. To reference here. And the cool thing is, this guy is a professional sushi chef oh yeah right and the guy's name is hiroyuki teruda okay and he does all kinds of preparation and things like that mm -hmm. so i wanted to know if you can get raw fish from say walmart and basically make your own sushi at home or sushi rice bowls right 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 now this gentleman did his own studies and testing, and I guess he did all the risks. So mm -hmm. my experiment today hopefully right. will be worth that. Now, a lot of people are concerned about diseases and parasites in raw fish. Mm -hmm. Legitimate concern. Right. 
well, Mr. Taruta has got some information to debunk quite a bit of it. You can make your own raw salmon and steelhead trout sushi at home. Okay. So the thing is, if you're going to go with raw salmon, it is best that it is farm-raised raw salmon. Okay. The reason being is that the health of the fish is controlled. You're not getting wild fish with weird bacterias. Okay. And their food is controlled. So you're not getting, say, some mystery thing that a salmon's been eating on throughout its lifetime. Sure. So their food is controlled. The food has uh, medication in it that will keep parasites away. Okay. And they're just in a controlled environment. Right. So it's like if you were to eat beef versus venison. Yeah. Uh, it would be safer to eat pasture-raised cow versus deer because there's lower risk of parasite. You just know where they come from, like the exact location, the water source they're in, the filtration. Right. Who's right. been taking and it's all certified and has to pass inspection. Okay. Now with wild, granted, you can still eat wild salmon. It's just best to cook it because they haven't been treated for parasites. You don't know if they have a disease. And granted, you know, fish have to pass inspection. Mm-hmm. But it's never a hundred percent. Right. So that's why it always says cook it. Okay. I myself have purchased raw cod before mm-hmm. and I cooked it to where it's supposed to be cooked. And when I peeled away the flakes, there was actually not trying to gross you out, a parasite, a worm. It was curled up in between the flakes of meat. It was dead. But wow. that's why they say cook it. Yeah. Because those worms exist in there. So don't they always freeze that cod as well though? As soon as they catch it, they freeze it, yes, don't they? So that's another thing is that if you if you're thawing out fish that's already been frozen, it's already lost some of its consistency. Yes. Yeah. He does go into that. If okay. you do want to eat raw wild fish, mm-hmm. this is a disclaimer. Anytime you eat anything undercooked, you increase your risk of foodborne illnesses. Sure. USDA, blah blah blah. Yeah. He says, if you want to eat the wild ones, freeze them, like fully freeze them Okay. and thaw them in your refrigerator. Yeah. And then, you know, you can do the smell test, make sure it doesn't have a strong fish odor. Right. If it has a strong fish odor, that's kind of like a pull your head back a little bit. Yeah. Don't eat it raw. Right. You can cook it and it'll be fine, but don't eat it raw. Yeah. I don't even cook it when it smells like that. (laughs) I love salmon. Now... When I did this today, we used raw salmon. Okay. I sliced, I skinned it, sliced it up, and it was farm-raised, so I didn't freeze it. Okay. Now, I made a sauce to go with mine, and making a strong salt in acidic sauce mm-hmm. also helps kill any surface bacteria. Right, right. So I made a sauce of soy sauce with regular sodium. I don't do light sodium. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Soy sauce, garlic, which bacteria do not like garlic. Right. Fresh lemon I squeezed into it. And a little splash of liquid smoke. And let me tell you, when you put the raw salmon in there, oh, and a little bit of dill, and you mix it up, you eat it, it is delicious. You said liquid smoke? Yes. I don't know what that is. It gives smoky flavor without having to use actual... Oh, it's a flavoring? Yes. It's very good. I highly recommend it. Hmm. Now, he went on to mention that salmon can be expensive. 
Weird, and yeah. the alternative to it is steelhead trout. Mm-hmm. It's in the salmon family too. So right, right. it's almost got a slightly milder flavor, and I love trout. Mm-hmm. In Torado's uh, opinion, it tastes better than salmon too. Typically, it's cheaper than salmon. And we do have it at the West Plains Walmart, but ours was not cheaper. Mm. I don't know why, but it wasn't. And a lot of the steelhead trout is farm-raised, and it goes by the same rules as the wild salmon. Farm-raised, it's usually healthier fish, and food is controlled. The wild is also too risky. Right. So same rules go for that. Right. And like I said, you can get it from Walmart, Whole Foods, just about anywhere. And the general rule is the fresher you can get the fish, the better it's going to be. Right. Yes. Right. It saves you money, too. So if you like sushi or smoked fish, and you just want to use a little liquid smoke like I did, like a monster, um, you can save a lot of money. I bet you can. I bought a $17 slab of salmon and the, quote, sashimi, because we did not cut it well. Mm-hmm. The sashimi we had probably would have been a $30 meal. Right. Just for one person. And we had chunks of it. So it was very good. Wow. Now, if you do, again, I'm going to say this several times. If you get raw fish and it's wild, freeze it. Okay. Freeze it first. Because those bacteria and parasites tend to not survive the freezing process. Okay. So you can get frozen wild-caught salmon. Mm -hmm. Thaw it. But the texture will change. Right. Let's see. Yeah. And I mentioned if there's a strong fish smell... But you also mentioned thaw it in the refrigerator. Yes. Which I know because I've been in a rush. Sometimes I also haven't done, you know. Same. Run it under cold water. Yes, that's one thing. Don't run it under hot water because it starts to cook it. Yes. Um, but even then, yeah. A slow thawing process in in the refrigerator is much better. Yeah, if you're going to... So if you plan intend, ahead, yeah. do it the night before. If you intend to eat it raw... It has to thaw slowly in the fridge. Right. It's just for safety issues. Yeah. And this information isn't bunch isn't a bunch of hooey. A lot of this is approved by the Florida Division of Hotel and Restaurants. Aqua quote. Aquacultured fish that have been fed parasite-free formulated feed may be served raw or undercooked without freezing. These fish are not prone to parasites. And the FDA food code is chapter 3-402.11 from 2009. Thank you. So it's not a bunch of shenanigans. Now, back onto the meats. Mm -hmm. Aside from just, you know, eating raw salmon. Let's see. I also looked a little bit into cured and smoked meat. Now, I'm not going to tell you all exactly how to do this. You'll have to look up recipes for specific types Mm -hmm. and specific cuts. Right. So that's a huge list. I'm not going to dredge on into that too much. But there is actually a difference between cured and smoked meat. Mm -hmm. I've had people use the terms cured and smoked interchangeably, and they're different. Right. Cured is usually preserved through salt. Mm -hmm. It's not cooked... But harmful bacteria are reduced because of the salt or herb content. Mm -hmm. And quite a few of them still need to be cooked. Think cured bacon. It's raw. You don't just go eat raw bacon. Right. I mean, my dogs can, but we should not just go eat raw bacon. Right, right. Even though it is cured. Right. And like I said, you definitely want to look up the specific meats 
you're going to cure them. Right. Because, for example, prosciutto is raw. Mm-hmm. You can eat it. Bacon is raw, but you cannot eat it raw. Right. You really shouldn't. Right. I'm sure somebody does. Mm. Now, with smoked, it's usually done through, for preservations, it's usually done through low smoke or cold smoke. Mm-hmm. And they usually use that for already cured meats. So you cure your meat, mm-hmm. and then you put it in a cold smoke. Gotcha. Yes, and that helps with preservation and to dry the meat further. Right. Now, cold smoking does not cook anything. It simply dries it. Okay. Yes. If you want it to cook it, you have to use a hot smoke, and it has to get to a certain temperature. Oh, okay. And that helps out a lot. Hot smoking, the kind that most people are familiar with, is you know how they roast like a Boston butt on a smoker? Mm -hmm. That's hot smoke cooking. I see. Yeah, so regular, when you say smoked pork, they're going to think that. Right. Or smoked beef. Okay. Now, if you're going to do cold smoking to continue to dehydrate a cured meat, that is a long process. Okay. It can take days or weeks. I guess I've never heard of cold smoking. I mean, how would you have cold smoke in the first place? It's not directly connected to the heat. It's smoke that's traveled, that's cooled. Oh, okay. And is in a, a, say, you have your fire source over there, and you give it a path to follow that cools it as it goes into another room. Oh, interesting. And it can take up to 30 days to cold smoke stuff. Wow. Yeah, so it's not a fast process, but it yields a very nice flavor, dries the meat out more, and preserves it longer. Okay. Like a lot of hard salamis. Right. Because there's a high fat content in salami. Yeah. And they go through a crazy preservation process. Wow. Yes. And I went on to think about, well, drying meat or jerky. Mm -hmm. You can use the cold process to dry meat more like thin strips. Mm -hmm. However, the USDA has some suggestions. Because doing jerky and drying meat at home is almost riskier than curing and smoking your own meat. Mm. Now, I've made jerky before. Yeah. And I was very careful about it. After I made it, I refrigerated it. But it was still jerky. Right. Now, the USDA recommends to, if you're going to do this, heat the meat up to 160 degrees or 165 for poultry. The reason why they recommend this is because dehydrators may not get hot enough uh, to kill the bacteria. Right. So I know my dehydrator says it can get up to 180. Mm-hmm. I don't think it can get up to 180. Right. I can put my hand inside of there and it's not, I can't pull my hand, I don't have to pull my hand away. Right. 140, right. it's like, hmm, mildly uncomfortable, but. I usually get someone else's hand to test that. You know? Oh, well, you know, just hurt you're, myself. You're the brave one. <laughs> now, the same thing with drying and jerking meat. Temperature, moisture, and speed are all important for food safety. Right. So if you can't, verify or guarantee all three of those you probably want to be wary about that right and commercially produced jerky has more preservatives in it Mm. they usually last about 12 months okay and homemade jerky can last anywhere from one to two months oh yeah so not that long then no not long yeah now there was a really good journal about all of this which i'm going to tell you guys the title and pages 
go read it for yourself because it is a lot. Yeah. And it's not a bunch of hooey. This is a scientific journal. Okay. You can find it under the effects of preparation methods on the microbiological safety of home dried meat jerky. Oh, I think I've read it. Yes. No, I haven't. <laughs> In the Journal of Food. I know it well. You, oh, yes, page six. It's in the Journal of Food Protection. I've got a signed copy. Yes, volume 67. Mm -hmm. It was published November 10th, 2004. Your reference pages for your homework, there will be a test. <laughs> Our page is 2,337 to 2,341. Wow. It is a massive journal. I'm glad, you, uh, yeah. I Now I'm glad you gave us the page references because... Yes. I would have given up before page 2000. I know that. Yeah, so if anybody wants to go look that up and tickle your brain about microbiology in food preservation for meat specifically, a lot of the research came out of the state of Georgia. Did it? Yeah, hmm. they mentioned that. I guess they've got to be doing something down there. Other than their driving skills? I don't know. I, I didn't say that. Mm, I did, though. Yeah. <laughs> I have things to say about that. <laughs> so I guess if you're listening to this on Sunday, then tomorrow is Halloween. Yes. Yes. I know our kids were at school today uh, dressed up. Yeah, so they had a lot of fun. Uh, so that's good because we've already got their costumes organized for Monday now. Don't have to be panicking on a Monday morning. <laughs> That'll be me. <laughs> You know, this is, the, I have to laugh because this always happens around about July 4th, you know, suddenly the kids will start saying, all right, we're having a July 4th, but when's Christmas? When's Halloween? And then what are you going to be for Halloween? And they have it all mapped out in their mind. And then we get to a few days before and it's just like, all right, you're going to be Spider-Man and you're going to be Dracula because you've already got the costume in your the closet. There you go. End of story. Good day. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Emma wants to be a few things, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Might get her something tomorrow. I want to, I like to make her costumes. I like to make costumes in general, but whatever. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a lot of work sometimes. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. The year's almost over for all y'all. <laughs> and uh, remember to go to church on All Saints Day, you know, to confess all your stuff away. I'll see you. You've been listening to One Bloke Went to Moe.